electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I hope you make friends. I'm just trying to make you a little money. My job is not just to teach, but to entertain a bit and educate. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Most of the time, all we ever hear about these days are the Fed and interest rates, Fed and interest rates. I find it nauseating. The yield curve is not why I got into this racket. But then there are days like today where we actually focus on investing, investing in individual companies, not trading the Fed's next move, not underweighting, not overweighting sectors like these are all components. They're all the same. It doesn't matter what they do. That's what makes this so exciting. And then when the Dow soars 524 points, the S&P surges 1.96%, and the Nasdaq soars 2.43%. House of pleasure. On the densest day of earnings season, the day where we get numbers from the most companies in one session, I find it the whole day to be a giant celebration of the ingenuity of executives and their teams. It's a validation not just of how good our companies are and the CEOs are, but of the very concept of stock picking over indexing. Now, I've always believed that if you do the homework and you pick the right stocks, you'll be able to make much more money than you would by parking everything in an index fund or a bunch of made-up ETFs that bundle entire sectors together in a single dull basket. Yet so many supposed experts tell you that stock picking is for chumps. That you're better off not even trying. Because they say it's impossible for you to reliably pick winners. Days like today, I think, show you that's nonsense. I say buy some S&P 500. Sure, buy the next one, but also buy some stocks. The index Easters believe you will never figure it out. And I will let you in on a secret. They have total contempt for your attempts. A self-serving view, if there ever were one. So why don't we go over some of the opportunities the index funds evangelistas would, give, would just say, you know what, you're never going to find... So don't take them. You got to start with one that everybody uses, at least from the numbers that I saw today. We got to start with Meta Platforms, the artist formerly known as Facebook, which reported a breathtaking quarter today. Last night, I should say. Even after today's magnificent 14% run, I think there could be much more ahead. Yeah, a lot more upside, which is why we own Meta for the Travel Trust, where we do have a huge win. A year ago, Meta was being written off as a tired old growth company, even though it wasn't really all that old. It looked like that an embattled CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, being one of the few executives who's disliked by both Democrats and Republicans. He's a uniter, not a divider. But now Meta's been roaring for six months in a move that was first widely scorned as some sort of short-covering trap. Today, we learned this run is real. It's based on a kind of foundational change that you simply can't catch if you only own just an S&P 500 index fund. And remember, I want you to own both. Own individual stocks and S&P if you have time and inclination. 
Meta's Mark Zuckerberg has done something truly amazing. He has embraced artificial intelligence to figure out how he could get people to engage more with Facebook and Instagram. They'd stopped engaging as much as they used to. And he succeeded. You know, he succeeded, yes, with AI. Users were only posting a couple of times, making it so you didn't need to bother to check your feed. Making things worse, Apple changed its privacy policy to make it harder for Meta to do targeted advertising. But AI changed this company. Last night's call, Mark said that he wasn't happy with how things were going. I love the candor here. So he created, creatively called on AI to identify posts that you might want to see from people you've never heard of. He used AI to boost uh, as much as what he said, the massive recommendations and ranking infrastructure that powers all of his products. I think only Microsoft is doing more with AI right now, although Mark may be doing more, to tell you the truth. The result... As Mark put it, quote, more than 20 percent of our content in your Facebook and Instagram feeds are recommended by AI from people, groups or accounts that you don't follow. End quote. Across all of Instagram, it's about 40 percent of the content that you see. Can you imagine how much growth there will be about this? Meanwhile, again, using AI, he's got Reels, his TikTok knockoff on a flight path where it can actually catch up to TikTok. And one day, I think, I think, match its immense profitability. Apparently, people now reshare already Reels more than two billion times every day. It is doubling over the past six months, for heaven's sake. That's an insane number. But when you consider that Meta now has more than three billion people who use at least one of their apps each day, I'd say this company has not only come all the way back, but its earnings per share cadence will be amazing. Reels isn't making money yet. Can you imagine what happens next year when it starts? What makes me even more confident about buying this stock, even at 230, up 29 points today, is that Zuckerberg's actively taking out costs, which we know, sadly, is a euphemism for firing people. He's fired nearly a quarter of the company. When revenues go up and costs go down, you get what I call a long-term earnings explosion which can fuel tremendous gains well beyond what we saw today. I'm well aware they took out a $4 billion loss in the metaverse. I heard that all day when people tried to say this company didn't do the real stuff. I don't like that number either, given how revenues actually declined. But that's just the cost of R&D, frankly, like a drug company might do to refresh its pipeline. Maybe the metaverse bet won't pay off. Zuckerberg's early embrace of AI just saved the company, though. I am confident he will have the guts to take tough actions to rein in spending if it doesn't work. Hasn't he showed you that already? Of course, he's not alone. We know Microsoft's exploiting AI like no other. With its $10 billion investment in OpenAI, the company that created ChatGPT, they're using artificial intelligence to re-engineer and reshape everything from Azure, that's their cloud infrastructure division that did so well this quarter, to Bing. They're also in search engine that may make a comeback. No wonder the stock won't quit. Again, I think Microsoft goes higher, even after hitting a new 52-week high today. And yes, I am excited. Why? Because these are ones I've been pounding the table on. I pounded the table on that darn metaverse, for heaven's sake. I was out there, me, I don't even think he had the faith I had in it. Oh, actually, I think maybe. It's not just tech. How about Eli Lilly? Jay Lilly talked about how they're about to ask the FDA for approval to sell their diabetes drug as a weight loss pill. Based on data, well, it's a weight loss, like that. Based on the data we have, it's, we hope it's going to be a pill one day, believe me. Based on the data we have, it could be a game changer. It's looking like, get this, this is what this thing does. Not only does it lower, uh, is it good for diabetes and lowers weight, it lowers cholesterol, it lowers blood pressure, and here's a new one, it can cut out heavy drinking. And heavy drinking is just plain bad for you, much as it pains me to say that since my uh, 
Wife owns a mezcal company. The House of Pain. Louis jumped 14 bucks today. It's been a horse, a genuine secretariat. It's run from 312 to 390 in less than two months. Because we don't have a, enough good news on the FDA approval yet, I do think it can run and run and run some more. There are a lot of good drug stocks out there, but Louis is the standout. How about Chipotle? The stock's been lost in the wilderness of fast food, caught in the scrum between Cheesecake Factory and Applebee's. And then it reports a magnificent quarter like a Tuesday night with a definitive reacceleration that's so broad, Wall Street instantly re-rated the stock upward, sending it up more than 200 points yesterday. I know, amazing. Not only is Chipotle back, but it's going to stay back. And I don't think the run is finished by any means. Now, some stocks haven't had their day in court yet, but they're still run on the backs of others. NVIDIA has been mentioned by uh, hey, NVIDIA, number one pick, by the way, in today's uh, stock picking contest. NVIDIA has been mentioned by both Alphabet and Microsoft as the backbone of their artificial intelligence engines. The true engine of AI is NVIDIA's H100 card. Now, you can buy one. I saw one on sale. Go on eBay. You'll see it. 45 grand. You ready for that? But one's not at enough. You've got to buy a boatload of these things. When I asked how many cards some of these big users need, a source from the customer side said, as many as we can get. Yes, NVIDIA is the backbone, the engine of AI, and AI is the future. Own it, don't trade it. Finally, there's General Electric, which has quietly become the market darling industrial because uh, it, it, it's fin- after it's finished breaking itself up, it's going to be the only pure play on aerospace that uh, is not Boeing, okay? It's become the hottest manufacturing segment in the world, GE is what Boeing would look like with a lot more luck. And certainly, I wish they had that kind of management. I think all these winners, everyone, is still a buy. There will be many reversals in this market, especially if the debt seal doesn't get extended in time. So you're going to get your chance. So bottom line, if you don't want to buy these stocks when they're up huge immediately after earnings, put them on your shopping list and wait until the next market-wide pullback gives you a better price. Let the squabbles between the House and the Senate around the debt ceiling, once again, give you a better price. They always do. Mike in Illinois. Mike. Hey, Jim. Mike. Uh, Happy to speak with you. Mike from Chicago. All right. I I love your show. I think you're a guru. Oh, thank you. Man, I make a lot of mistakes. I'm the first guy to admit it. These other guys never make mistakes. How's that possible? I'd love them to never make a mistake. How can I help? Uh, my question is, I bought 500 shares of Wingstop the day of their IPO eight years ago, and I'm showing a heck of a profit here, and I'm wondering what your opinion is if I should sell some, sell all, or hold. All right, let me give you my rap. Report. Let me give you my rap, all right? First of all, what you must do, we got a new CEO, I like the other guy too. This is Skipper. It doesn't come on the show. Here's what you have to do. Tomorrow morning, you're going to take out your cost basis. Then what happens? You are playing with the house's money and let it ride. Today was the kind of day that rewarded the companies that are changing their stripes and the stock pickers who have been confident enough to invest in them and weren't bamboozled out of them by people who create ETFs to make a lot of money for themselves. And if you missed out the big movers this week, just put them on your shopping list. Wait for the House and Senate to give you a better price. Old man money tonight. With investors thinking the Fed might slow their tightening, what do you do with a well-run insurance company like Chubb? I'm going to dig into the story with the CEO. Then Pioneer. Hey, changing the C-suite. So I'm learning more about the transition from the outcoming and incoming CEOs. And Caterpillar. Wow, fell real bad after earnings. What's going to t- what the heck is going on here? With looking at a great quarter. Why don't we talk to the company's top brass? So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. 
follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visited visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Last year when the Federal Reserve was tightening like crazy, the insurance stocks were one of the few sources of strength in the market. They do just fine to slow down, even benefit from rate hugs because they can take the premiums, invest them directly in treasuries, other fixed income assets. Uh, but this year, the group's gotten hit as Wall Street's increasingly convinced the Fed's nearing the end of its relentless push to raise interest rates. And some of the people in this group don't, they're reckless. I'm just going to tell you, some of the other companies are reckless. But do not confuse that with this company, Chubb Limited. It's the best-run property and casualty insurance company on the planet. With a rapidly growing life insurance business as a kicker, i, I got to learn more about that. Chubb rallied 14% in 2022. It's down nearly 10% year-to-date. Makes no sense to me. Including a real dip yesterday in the wake of what I thought was a terrific quarter. Technically, the company reported a top and bottom line miss fueled by larger-than-expected catastrophe or cat losses. However, when you dig into the details, there are plenty of positive here. Record core operating income, incredible growth in life insurance, no negatives. So what the heck is this? Why isn't this stock up? Let's check in with Evan Greenberg. He's the chairman and CEO of Chubb Limited. Get a better read in the quarter and what comes next. Mr. Greenberg, welcome back to Man Money. Jim, it's good to be with you. It's um, good to return here. Oh, thank you. Well, this is the, a moment where you want to own your insurer. You are growing and growing faster with new lines that are growing faster. I, I must admit, I was tad confused 
by the stock price. And I was wondering, is it because you had, you had catastrophe losses and people didn't expect that? No, I don't think so. The, um, the catastrophe losses were, were not a Chubb specific. The industry, it was, it was a bad quarter for catastrophe. So every company's reporting that. It was a minor miss. And when you look through it, as you said, we reported a 15% growth in EPS. Our revenue was up about 18% um, in constant dollar. Um, investment income was up 30%. We, we published a combined ratio, even with cats, of 86 and change. Um, our, our principal business, our U.S. property casualty business, grew double digit. Right. Your high Europe net worth? Grew, Europe grew double digit. High net worth personal? High net worth personal had the best growth in 15 years. Which is incredible because it, that's it a is. terrific business that grows well anyway. And I saw this growth. It's an acceleration. And it produced a terrific result and margin. I know. So, the, you know, the company's going from strength Personal to strength. Personal lines? I'm literally, I'm, you know, we went over this. My team went over it. We were trying to find how we could justify why the stock went down. And we just couldn't. I think it's a fool's game to try to imagine one day of share price or two days of share well, price. Well, then explain to people why you would, if you, if you think you're going to recession, why you would be more recession resistant, not immune, resistant than other, than other industries, other companies. Well, you know, our cash flow is extremely strong. Our investment income and, and the reinvestment rate from portfolio rate is over a 200 basis point difference. Every hundred basis points creates over a billion dollars of additional income. Um, the, the basic growth in our business, yes, it can be impacted by recession, but I think less so than other industries. And when you look at the broad base resilience of it, where 50, 60 percent is in the United States, the balance is spread around the world. It's a good spread between consumer and commercial. I think that diversification gives a resilience and a predictability to the business. Well, do you think uh, that there are people who would be saying that all of these insurance companies have too much commercial real estate exposure? Well, that may be more true of a life insurance company than a property casualty company. Um, our commercial real estate portfolio, for instance, is about 4% of our total invested asset and it's investment grade, mostly above double-A okay. rated. So it's, it's, it, it's de minimis. All right, then take that off the table. Do you think there are people who just say, you know what, there are climate issues in our country that makes it so we can't own insurers because we have a, tr a, a climate problem. We have an ocean problem. We have a, a problem with, uh, over a longer period of time where, where it's just too dangerous to try to insure things when we have uh, the water, we, we have Florida. Well, that's the basic business I'm in, right. is the business of risk-taking. And, you know, unfortunately for the individual, but, but it's rational in economic terms, prices for catastrophe exposure have been rising. Right. And so we're getting paid adequately to take the risk, and we're taking more risk, which means we'll have maybe more volatility, as you said, more cats. But in absolute terms, on a risk-adjusted basis, rewarded for taking that risk. Okay, talk to me about this acquisition of Cygnus Asian business, why that could be important. Is it a needle mover? You spent a lot of money. Yeah, it, between that and what we've been doing organically, 
our life business now is about a billion dollar in income, bottom line business, and it's Asia-based. It's not like life insurance in the United States. It's more traditional life insurance. And in fact, most of this is accident insurance and supplemental health insurance for the middle income. And as we know, the middle class is a growing class throughout Asia. It's for younger people. It's insurance against an accident. Or if you're in a hospital, it's very simple products, risk-based, much less than much less oriented than savings-based products. Right. And it, it it behaves like a property casualty product, but a much better stability signature. It doesn't have volatility of of loss. It doesn't have cyclicality to the to the pricing of the business. It's individually sold. And by the way, like it's that. sold over the it's sold through the telephone, sold through the internet, and it's sold by agents. And we have tens of thousands of agents in Asia selling these products. I think that's true. And one last thing I want to ask you, because you are you're global and you just talked about Asia. Uh, we have any leadership in this country trade? People know about you as our leaders, our leaders. You're you're global. I want to ask you about how we're doing as a country around the world. How do people perceive us? You know, trade used to be a part of our foreign policy. We understood it it was a very important part of attracting other countries to our values. They want access to our market, to a market oriented system. Of, of doing business, and trade agreements were in fashion, and opening markets were in fashion. Today, America has been, has been losing that leadership, and we've been ceding that ground to other countries. Um, we're no longer the largest trading partner of many countries around the world. China is, and they're promoting their image, and we should be promoting ours. At the same time, We want these countries to have greater partnership with America. And what do they want first? They want economic and they want access. And um, and it's good for it's good for the American people and it's good for American business. That's what matters. American people. And they do better with commerce. We have to have we have to have more thoughtful commerce. Evan Greenberg, the chairman and CEO of Chubb. This is the only insurer I've ever recommended in 19 years. Now, money's packed. Coming up, pioneering a new course? Kramer drills into the leadership changes at Pioneer Natural Resources in his post-earnings exclusive, next. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. 
Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Last night, we got a flood of news from Pioneer Natural Resources. That's a big independent oil and gas producer that I own for the Chapel Trust. First, the company reported what I regard as a mixed quarter with better than expected production earnings, but worse than expected sales. Didn't like that. Worse than expected free cash flow. Ouch. Then they updated their capital return framework, raising their base dividend, but also changing their variable dividend policy. Rather than returning a fixed percentage of their free cash flow directly to shareholders, they might divert a big chunk of that to buybacks instead. Last but not least, Pioneer announced that longtime CEO Scott Sheffield would be stepping down at the end of the year to be replaced by the current president COO, Richard Daly. I thought the quarter was okay, new capital return policy fine, but the stock did get hammered today, I think mostly because of the succession announcement. A few weeks ago, there were reports that Exxon was in early stages to to buy Pioneer. But uh, you typically don't do that kind of leadership transition right before selling the company. In other words, the stock got hit today, I think, because all the takeover speculation and the speculators threw in the towel. So could this be a buying opportunity? Let's take a closer look with current CEO Scott Sheffield he and his name successor, President and COO Richard Daly. Gentlemen, welcome to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. Great to see you as always. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. Hey, how are you? Good to see you. Scott, I'm going to start with you. I don't want you to, you know, look, I think you're tremendous. So, of course, I don't want you to retire. But why is this, and I'm not, no offense to Mr. Daly, but why is this a good time to do what you're doing? Yeah, Jim, and first I want to thank you again for doing our 25th anniversary last year on Wall Street last August, so we, we appreciate it. Uh, as you know, I'm probably the longest-serving public CEO of any oil and gas company. It's been almost 35 years if you go back to our predecessor. So 35 years, almost 71. So one of the, my first jobs when I came back with the board, I told them I'd come back for about three years. I started working on succession day one. Um, and then we had COVID. Uh, I've accomplished all the goals uh, that I set out for. Uh, we integrated uh, double point and parsley uh, over the last 18 months, probably have one of the best quarters in the last two years. And I told the board last year, I'm focused really on retiring in 2023. Rich was ready, and so we made the move. And so I'm excited for Rich. Um, he's probably definitely the best candidate, is the hardest worker uh, in this company, most dedicated employee, and the employees love him. Excellent. Excellent. Fair enough, Rich. Congratulations. Now, let me ask you, uh, I spent a lot of time this week with Tom Jordan. And that's a Kotara changed his policy, felt that its stock had gotten too cheap, just decided, you know what, what our primary instinct is to bring buy stock. It's the best bargain there is. Do you think you changed yours uh, in a true pivot? Or are you just kind of like, well, we're going to do what we want to do, buy back more, maybe give better, bigger base dividend? Because I was a little confused today, I have to admit, about what the, is, whether Pioneer changed its philosophy toward its stock. Yeah, Jim, I'll take that. And I think we've really just refined our framework. We essentially are taking 25% of our free cash flow and putting it on the balance sheet, increasing financial flexibility. And the other 75%, which is still peer leading, is going to return to shareholders. It'll come in two, really three different forms. Our base dividend, which we announced and increased our base dividend today as well. 
and then we'll flex between variable dividends and opportunistic share repurchases. So it's really just a case of taking what we were doing out of the prior thing and uh, prior format and doing it on free cash flow, incremental share repurchase. Now we're just doing it part of the 75%, but a very minor change to what we've done before. And we did this after discussing it with shareholders. Okay, that sounds right. Uh, and, and, and more clarification for me, I needed that. Scott, sometimes I, I don't like the media. You know me for a long time, I'm not a media guy. I would never print a story which said that you're in talks with Exxon maybe preliminarily. I mean, I would get it from both Exxon and you, maybe, if both of you said it, it would be okay. But I just want to understand, that kind of story is just rumor. They didn't speak to you, and you didn't say you were talking to Exxon. No, exactly. First of all, we said no comment. And obviously, this is after uh, we have one of the best quarters in the company's history, like uh, Rich was talking about. And uh, as you you know me, in regard to uh, my feelings towards shareholders, uh, Rich is the same way. This board will always do the right thing in the best interest of the shareholders. Okay, and Rich, I have to tell you my view, and, I, and Scott knows this is, this, this is the premier independent oil company in the world, and there's no way that it, it, when your stock's at 220, 230, it's worth talking to anybody. Now, I know that you guys would never do what's wrong for shareholders, but can you just explain to me how you feel about the valuation of your company versus your assets and your growth? Yeah, Jim, we've got a great asset base, as you know. We've got over 15,000 know, high-rate return drilling locations. We've got 25,000 total locations. These are high-rate return things that will really allow us over the next five years, and you saw it in our earnings release today where we talked about over the next five years, we can return 40% of our market cap in terms of our return of capital framework. Out of that free cash flow, it was $27 billion at $80 oil price. Well, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned the oil price because, uh, Scott, you talked Brian Sullivan, our mutual friend, last month. You were talking about that seems like be putting in a bottom in the 70s. Can you speak to the demand side uh, and the supply side and why you think this is actually a pretty good level to be buying oil? Yeah, Jim, uh, you know, Brian's one of the best. Uh, the, we've been waiting on China. China's turned around. We're seeing record demand pre-COVID from China. Now, all of a sudden, we got this recession. I've heard your comments about the recession. I believe like you do. I do not think we're in a recession. I do not think we're going into recession. So this recent OPEC cut, OPEC plus cut, uh, on the OPEC side, it's about a little over a million barrels a day. Saudi's down to 9.9 million barrels a day. Uh, You're going to see it in effective May 1st. We should see significant draws the second half of the year. So I really think oil is going to break through this 80, 85 Brent. It's been trading there for the last uh, four to five months. Once it breaks through that 80.85, it's on its way to 90 to 100. So I've been saying it'll touch 100 by the end of the year. Well, if that, I'm still optimistic. Okay, if that's the case, Rich, would you look at some of the uh, of your competitors that are smaller and say, you know what, they're trading as if oil's going to 50? Is there when you look around, is it better to drill, or are there companies that it might be better to buy? You know, Jim, I'd say it's a high bar for Pioneer, as I talked about. That inventory that we have is, you know, a, a long inventory that will last 20-plus years of, of inventory. So anything we do is going to be a high bar in terms of us acquiring it. What we really spend most of our time on is, one, on execution. We talked about putting out strong results. But then the other thing is what we're doing is doing what we've done the last couple of years. We're adding working interest, net revenue interest, adding lateral length. That really is the highest value thing we can do, and we're spending you know, a couple hundred million dollars a year doing that, and I expect us to continue to do that. And anything we do on the side would be something that's contiguous and be very accretive. 
Excellent. Now, the last thing, I'm going to give you the last word, Scott. But I, when I met you, you told me that one day we could actually be, uh, the continent could be energy self-sufficient. Well, I said the continent. Uh, in your lifetime, it's happened, and you've played a big role in it. What do you think your legacy is for our country when it comes to national defense, when it comes to being a, a, a more important country than we were because of what you've done and what's happening with energy in our country? Yeah, Jim, that's a great question. I've been asked a lot by the media the last 20, 24 hours. I would say it, believe it or not, <clears throat> Time Magazine had the field, the Sprayberry Wolfcamp field, the most uneconomical oil field in the world in 1952. <laughs> so Pioneer and our predecessor uh, led the effort to take this field as to one of the largest oil fields, or the largest oil field, when you look at oil, NGLs, and natural gas, we've taken that into the largest oil field, and we're supplying low emission barrels. As you remember, I've been on your show talking about um, emissions. We've led the effort on reducing flaring, uh, reducing uh, CO2 and methane emissions in the Permian Basin. So we're pro providing the world cheap barrels. It's the largest oil field in the world. It's sweet crude uh, at the lowest emissions and it's going to be around for another 50, 60 years. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that. I know some people were, thought that you felt that maybe it, we were at peak. I never heard you say that. Or just maybe not growing as fast, but not peak. And I want to thank you for everything you've done. And you've been an inspiration to me for many years and made me know that oil is investable and I ought to get behind it. And you're dead right and you will remain dead right in my mind. I want to thank Scott Sheffield, who's the outgoing CEO, and Rich Daly, who is the present COO, who will be the incoming CEO. Gentlemen, thank you so much. I'm going to miss you, Scott. Thank you, Jim. All right. Thanks, Jim. Thank you, Jim, All very right. much. Thank you. Man Money is back after the break. Coming up, Caterpillar reported an earnings beat and raise, but the stock still took a tumble after earnings. Did the company dig itself into a hole, or could it continue to harvest industrial strength returns? Kramer lets the cat out of the bag with the CEO next. Today's the single busiest day of earnings season. Yeah, the day where Wall Street's most likely to get it wrong, I think. For example, the way the market got Caterpillar wrong. This morning, Cat reported a blowout quarter, posting a monster revenue beat, tremendous $1.11 earnings beat. And that's off a $3.80 basis. They gave you 70% earnings growth, for heaven's sake. You might expect the stock to roar in response to those results, and initially it did, but then the stock reversed. One point, it was down 5.6% for erasing most, but not all, those losses. What is the problem here? Management was a little vague about the outlook for its future. Probably didn't help that we got a slow first quarter GDP print this morning, and we keep hearing about new fears about commercial real estate market. But I think the sellers failed to appreciate the cat's going to make a fortune as all that federal infrastructure spend kicks in. But all I heard today was peak margins, peak orders, peak business. And, Jim, be very careful because we're going into a slowdown when Cat typically does underperform. Don't take it from me, though. Let's dig deeper with Jim Umpleby, okay? Jim is the chairman and CEO of Caterpillar. He's got to learn more about this situation, which is complicated. Mr. Umpleby, welcome back to Mad Money. Jim, it's great to see you again. All right. Well, first, Jim, I got to tell you, when I saw the quarter, I knew that things were good and I was thrilled. I could not believe how quickly people felt, you know what, that's the last good quarter. We've seen it happen. We saw it happen in 2018. People tell me it's just the same thing all over again. I say it's a different cat. It's more of a secular growth cat than we'd ever see in our lifetime. Am I just way, way out of bounds? 
Well, thank you, Jim. And I want to first start by thanking our global Caterpillar team for an outstanding quarter, as you mentioned. Your sales were sales were up 17 percent, uh, adjusted profit per share up 70 percent. We produced $1.4 billion in free cash flow in the quarter, which was $1.8 billion higher than the quarter before, and returned a billion dollars to shareholders in the terms of uh, dividends and, 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 and share buybacks. But outstanding quarter. And one of the things we did tell our investors today during our earnings call is based on our first quarter results and the healthy demand that we see in most of our end markets, we feel even more optimistic that 2023 will be even a better year than we previously anticipated on both the top and bottom line. So business is good. Right. Okay, so I want to make sure uh, that you did not, as contrary to what I, a lot of the research I read, say, look, it, it, we're, we're profit margins are, are peaking and fr- dealer inventories are not in the shape we'd like. Uh, so therefore, you got to understand with weakness in China, we don't know how cloudy this future is going to be. Well, me and a couple of comments to try to clarify some things. You mentioned commercial real estate in the introduction. One of the things we told our investors today, because so much has been written about that in relationship to Caterpillar, commercial real estate only represents about 1% of North American construction business for construction industries, which is just one of our three primary segments. So we got that out there today. And in the past, we've talked about the fact that China represents between 5 and 10% of our total sales. We told investors today that this year we expect it to be less than that range. But even with China slow, again, we feel very good about the year that we're having, had just an outstanding first quarter. And, you know, we can talk about construction, which is certainly important. Uh, In the first quarter, you know, in the first quarter, uh, construction industries sales were up 10 percent. But we didn't get any questions about the fact that resource industries, one of our other segments, was up 21 percent and energy and transportation was up 24 percent in the quarter. And if you like, I can talk a bit about the demand in those end markets as well. Well, look, I, I would first of all, I want to tell our viewers, I never in a million years until I met Jim would ever use the word secular when it comes to capital. OK, it was always the most cyclical sink, swim stock and company. The reason why I'm saying that is Jim has done a lot of things in terms of return of capital. And because of the way our federal government has staged infrastructure spend, it's going to be many, many years for that money spent. I don't want to be a dreamer, Jim. Do you feel that the cat that you've created is not the old cat? Well, I am very proud of our global team. We are operating the company at a higher level. You know, we're producing higher adjusted operating margins and also higher free cash flow. One of the things that we told our investors today is that, you know, we had, in fact, released target ranges for both adjusted profit margins and free cash flow. And we told our investors that we would be in that top half of those ranges for both. We have demonstrated the ability to produce much more consistent free cash flows over time. Uh, you know, our, our range this year, the top half of that four to eight billion dollar range this year is six to eight billion dollars. And since 2017, when we introduced our new strategy for every year except 2020, we produced between uh, four and six billion dollars in free cash flow. And even in 2020, when we lost more than 20 percent of our top line due to a pandemic induced downturn, we still produced three billion dollars of free cash flow. So I do believe that our team is operating the business in a different way much leaner, much more efficient, and it's showing up in our results. Yeah, but I remember the, I'm old enough to remember the, 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 the 84, 86 period where I could not believe how much money you could, you could lose. And it, I know what cyclical is in secular. And what I want to mention to you, you gave a little bit of information about, about a trickle of the federal money coming in. But 
from the contacts that I have, which are the, all the GCs and the, the big in, uh, engineering construction companies, uh, they have not seen anywhere near what they thought they'd see because this, it's still tied up in the states. Are you seeing what I'm seeing, which is that in, tw- in 2024, it will actually begin to be the big projects, the ones that need permitting. Those are not what we have yet. Well, we do believe that the infrastructure benefit will play out over time. We are starting to see some benefit already from the states for things that are easy, things like road construction, putting more asphalt on roads. Those are the things that are already starting to to happen. But because of permitting and a whole variety of issues that you're aware of, we believe that the benefits of the infrastructure bills will play out over time. Certainly some battery plants and chip plants have started to be built. Others are still on the books. So again, we do believe that that'll play out over a period of time. But you know, construction activity just isn't strong in the U.S. Middle East example is, is also quite strong. Okay, the last thing I want to just touch on is dealer inventory. There was a lot of confusion on the call about where deal inventories were. I thought they were not too hot, not too cold, which is what I want. There are a lot of people who feel that the dealers have way too much inventory, and so therefore there's going to be discounting. I look at it the opposite. We're saying you got to buy American if you get the money in 2024, and, the, and you're going to be ready with the buy American machinery equipment. True. For some products, in fact, our dealers wish they had a bit more inventory. With some products, they believe they have enough. So what we've said is that we expect dealer inventory to end this year about flat with the end of 2022. Um, you know, we expect uh, dealer sales to customers to be up, our sales to be up. So we're quite comfortable where we stand. There are always puts and takes with dealer inventory. And of course, they're independent businesses. They make their own decisions there. But again, that's not a major concern for us. All right, good, because, I mean, to me, if the stock was at 300, I could see profit taking. But the stock is so far down. It was amazing to me, the action today. I think it was wrong. I want to thank Jim Mulvilly, Chairman and CEO of Caterpillar, for coming on the show and telling it like it is, because that's what we need. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Take care. May I have back after the break. Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round. Next. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the lightning round. Cameron says money. I'm going to start with Mandy in Maryland. Mandy. Hi, Jim. How are you? I'm good, Thank Mandy. So How are you? Thank you so much. I'm doing okay. Good. Good. Um, I was. Uh, I love your show, and thank you thank for you. taking my call. Thank you. I have a question about NFE. I bought it at 42. It has come down a lot. Should I sell? I like it. I just profiled it a couple of days ago. I think it's a great way to buy, uh, to buy LNG. I suggest, Manny, that you do some buying. Get a better average. Thank you for calling and making those kind words. Marianne in New York. Marianne. Hi, Jim. I recently bought shares of Illumina, primarily because of its ownership of Braille. Yes. Game-changing, multi-cancer, early detection blood test. Given the push by regulators and Carl Icahn to de-invest in Braille, I wanted to know what you thought. Well, I kind of, the core business business is not that good, which is the problem. Uh, But that said, I think Braille's fabulous. I would own the stock, but I have to understand that you're going to have to fight through some headwinds. It may be too difficult, uh, but... The core business does have problems. Let's go to Tyler in California. Tyler. 
Hey, Big Booyah from California. How you doing, Jim? All right, how are you? I'm doing good. What's going on? I'm good. Thank you for asking. So in February, I called about this ticker. And I was really, really happy to see that you had the CEO uh, on a month later. Uh, how do you feel about volunteer VNT going into earnings? Oh, my God. I, look, I just thought this I, I talked with Jeff Marshall, but not even owners for the Chapel Trust. You brought it to our attention, and I, I think it's just a huge winner. It's a spinoff of another company that tends to, where the spinoffs tend to do really well. I think you've got a winner. I buy half and then half, okay? Half before, half there. Allen in Florida. Allen. Hey, Jim. I'm a first-time caller, and I've always been following you. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. What's up? Uh, I'm interested in a company called Peakstone Realty Trust. Call sign is PKST. Uh, yeah. I own... But, see, this is Office Properties, Real Estate Investment Trust. I've said stay away. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. It's draft day, Kramerica. But forget the NFL. Kramer talks his top picks from the CNBC stock draft and reveals the names that could get you in the end zone when we return. When I ran my hedge fund, I always wanted people to know stocks. I tried everything, quizzes, storytelling, memorization, never worked. Then I tried fantasy, a fantasy portfolio where people would have to defend their picks when they drafted them. It works to know the players before you draft them, doesn't it? It works to know stocks, too. That's why I absolutely love CNBC's Stock Draft Day today, where we get the stars to pick stocks and explain their choices. I was dazzled. I thought the players were thoughtful and venom. Amazing. But how are their stock picks? What can I say? When you pick NVIDIA first, one of my first two own it, don't trade it names, the other being Apple, I cannot possibly disagree with the WWE superstar Charlotte Flair. Of course, the critics constantly say it's too hot, it's going too far, it's too moved up, whatever. But you know what? I've heard the same thing for years. To which I say this. To combat that, why don't don't you do what I'm, write this down. Buy NVIDIA in one-fifth. Once every two months. That eliminates the hot factor and may allow you to average in at a lower price. Maybe not, though, because you can't have generative AI without NVIDIA's graphic cards, and you know that Meta, Alphabet, and Microsoft are all over this stuff. You can't beat NVIDIA's dominance in semiconductors today, but I want you to buy it in stages so it doesn't worry you as much. Second, Erica Williams, the Olympic swimmer, picked Amazon, and given the tremendous support they reported after the close, that's like a brilliant call already. Amazon beat revenue estimates for all three segments, and its overall margins were comfortably ahead of expectations, which is what investors really wanted for the company. After spending more than just a year, more than a year, more than a year trying to adjust to a post-pandemic world, well, this once great company's finally, I think, gotten its act together. Next up, and Dominic Sue played for my beloved Eagles in the Super Bowl, so he can do no wrong, including today when he selected United Health third. This is exactly the kind of stock you want to own going into a Fed-mandated slowdown because it's recession-proof. I've liked UNH ever since 1989, when this health insurer was the biggest position in my old hedge fund, and I think it still has plenty of gas in the tank. Everyone's talking about the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, right? I actually care far more about the Jets and Procter & Gamble. The pick of Jets linebacker C.J. Mosley in today's draft. Here's the deal. You think the economy's running out of steam? 
Well, you buy Procter. Because in a weaker economy, Procter's raw costs come down, even as they definitely won't pass those savings on to you, the consumer. I deal better on a slowdown, limited inflation. Finally, there's a contrary pick that I think could be terrific if we get more faith in the financial system, and that's Charles Schwab. But we have to get that faith. That was picked by Seattle receiver D.K. Metcalf, fifth overall. This stock's been crushed, just crushed by the poor management of others, namely Silicon Valley Bank, Signature, Silvergate, and now First Republic. I don't know how a popular online brokerage firm got mixed in with those ne'er-do-well banks, but Schwab's been knocked down quite a bit, even though it had a very good quarter. Interesting spec. There's a lot of brilliance here. People are lining up with the economy with many of these picks, and that's a very good way to think about stocks over a one-year time horizon like this draft does. Which what do I like best? I, I got to go with NVIDIA because we're only just discovering what this company really does. A year ago, everybody thought NVIDIA just made graphics cards for video games that could also be used to mine cryptocurrency. Now it's the engine behind the biggest thing in tech, like the cell phone, maybe that big, artificial intelligence. And make no mistake, NVIDIA is the best way to play AI. That said, the cautious part of me says if there's a recession, then you should go with an incredibly defensive Procter & Gamble. I don't think we're headed for a true recession, but it's hard to go wrong owning Procter in this kind of environment. Glad my Chapel Trust has it. Glad I pounded the table to members multiple times in Bolden after Bolden for the tremendous earnings report. The first of what I think will be very many. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Man Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Mad Money Disclaimer. Picture this. You're on a John Deere compact tractor, enjoying the sun as you clear brush across your pasture. You just have to get in the seat. Learn more at johndeere.com slash get in the seat or visit a dealer near you.